Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stormkeep. My name is Paul, and I'm joined by my co-storm host. Night Podcaster JJ here. Hey, it's MJ here. I think it's pronounced Night Podcaster. You know, like O-R rather than er. It's an or. Did we do or? <laughs> no, I saw that you were podcast talent now, or Lord Poskett podcast talent. I really liked that pun when you told it to me. So yeah, I did I did change the title to Lord Podcast Talent. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be talking about the recently released Stormcast FAQ. Uh, we've had over 24 hours to, to think about it and digest it. And we have some first impressions about what, how it's going to affect things. Uh, nothing in here was really unexpected. So we've, we've had a lot of time to think about what could have happened over the last, geez, it's been five weeks since the book came out. Um, so it, nothing is too much of a surprise, let's say. So we'll start off by talking about what we expected to see. And this is taken directly from uh, episode number six. What we expected were rule clarifications on things like translocation, uh, the core rules, and, and how there seems to be a logic loop error, uh, what, how Cycle of the Storm actually works, if it's intentional that it works in this new way where it's, it interrupts removing models, or if it's supposed to go back to how it worked in second edition. We wanted to hear about the uh, interaction between Blaze of Glory, Only the Faithful, and Cycle of the Storm. We wanted to hear about uh, whether or not you kept the, the Torallon's Comet Trail ability if you moved away from the Torallon, things like that. Um, we also wanted to see them fix errors, what appear to be errors, which is things like the Lord Aqualore not having the Griff Charger or Vanguard keywords. That one, that one seems strange to me. Um, we were looking for things like, should Prosecutor Primes get extra attacks on their special weapons, considering that's what they did in the previous edition? Uh, so we were, we were expecting things like that. And what we got out of the FAQ, we'll start with, with the good things out of it. Uh, the first one is that the Torallon can take mount traits now. It has been added to the list of eligible mounts uh, based on the Torallon keyword. And looking over the mount traits, it seems like the Torallon can only actually take three of the six that are available, because the rest of them are keyword restricted. So... I guess three mount traits is better than zero, uh, but if you look through those three, you'll see that none of them are are really that strong or impactful to your list. For example, Celestial Instincts is good, um, but if you make a retreat move with the Torallon, you're not making a normal move, and if you don't make a normal move, you can't activate Comet Trail. So it kind of defeats the whole purpose of taking the Torallon is because you want to use Comet Trail every turn. And then the other one that that's pretty useful is Scintillating Trail, which uh, is a... It's kind of like a plus one to cast. It reduces enemy unbinding rolls by one for all wizards around, which is a weird way to effectively get plus one to cast. And it should be noted for everyone out there, Aventus Firestrike, who is a Torallon, cannot pick a mount trait because he is a unique character and unique characters can't take any enhancements unless it specifically says that they can. Yeah, I think I think Scintillating Trail definitely becomes... Uh... I think that's the best one to take on. And if you're still set on taking Lord Arcanums, I think it's not as good as plus one to cast because it doesn't give you your own spell reliability, but it means you can take Master of Magic uh, as a command trait and then have rerolls on your casting and then subtract one from uh, Unbinding for your opponent. I think Scintillating Trail is actually good now. It's. I think it's a situation where it's good because the alternatives are bad. I don't think in a vacuum scintillating trail is good, uh, but it will see use for sure because um, we don't have a lot of mounted heroes. So when it comes time to pick a hero to give a mount trait to, it's usually going to the Torlon because the other ones just, they don't care. Agreed. So the next uh, good thing out of the FAQ is that the Lord Aquilor can also take a mount trait. He has gained the Griff Charger keyword uh, and looking through what, again, he's, he's also keyword restricted in what he can take. And uh, a lot of them don't seem to work well with him 
because of what the Lord Aquilor does, he teleports every turn, ideally. You want to bring him for that extra mobility. And if you're using a teleport, then you can't make a six-inch pylon because the teleport lands you more than nine inches away. And if you're using the teleport, you don't need to retreat and charge. So there are situations where you will want to retreat and then make a short-distance charge move um, rather than using the teleport. But I, it just seems redundant if you can already retreat and, and do stuff somewhere else. Uh, so I suppose he could take an Arcane Tome, become a wizard, and then gain Scintillating Trail. But at that point, you should just take a Lord Arcanum instead. Yeah, agreed. Um, I don't think the Achiller really has a purpose here. Um, the fact that we'll talk about this later, but uh, he just doesn't have much purpose in this 3.0 Tome. I'd rather just take a Lord Arcanum for the cost. He does have slightly more attack, so maybe that's something to consider. Yeah, I was going to ask if either of you guys were going to actually take the Lord Aquilor after this errata. No, I don't think having access to a Mount Trait... Like When we did our initial review, we were assuming all these characters could use Mount Traits. It was only revealed a little bit later that they didn't have the appropriate keywords. But even when we were assuming they could take Mount Traits, we weren't terribly excited about the Lord Aquilor. He's, or Aquilor. Um, he, he's not good. He doesn't even have the Vanguard keyword, which is mm-hmm. required to use his ability. So... <laughs> So yeah, he's he's really bad, um, and I think it's it's worthy of demoting him down from D tier to F tier because of just I, I don't see a purpose for him at all. He's just if you need a teleporting hero, there's a better choice for five points less. Absolutely. Now, the last thing, the last good thing to come out of the FAQ is that you can just forget Cycle of the Storm exists. You can uh, take a little sticky note. And on every war scroll in your book, you can put it over the cycle of the storm text and you can just forget that it exists because this ability basically does nothing anymore and you don't have to waste any brain power on it. And that's a good thing. Yeah, you don't Agreed. spend time arguing it and rolling it out before the game starts. It is baffling how when simplifying the scrolls for all the Lord Arcanums, this is the one they choose to, chose to keep when it actually did nothing in second edition and it's somehow even worse now. Yeah, we, we will. <laughs> they should have just removed it. They should never have kept it around. So one last question before we move on to the next slide here, guys. Um, on the topic of combat trail, uh, do we know yet if units are uh, that move away still benefit from that basically free AOA there? In my opinion, yes. We do get to keep the combat trail if you move away. Uh, it wasn't clarified in the FAQ. And uh, later, later when we talk about things that weren't included, we can get into uh, what the arguments are on both sides for Comet Trail. So the bad things in the FAQ, which is a much longer slide, you'll notice I even padded out the good slide as much as possible. Um, the first bad thing for us is the errata for translocation. You can no longer make a normal move if you are teleported with translocation. And it's uh, very disheartening. I personally really like the design. I like the the not necessarily just the power of the ability, but the utility that it provided you. You can do all kinds of interesting things with it. And uh, it seems like maybe they felt it was too powerful. Uh, to me, it seems like they could have picked that up in playtesting. Uh, but it's not its not surprising. Everybody kind of knew in the back of their mind, even, even staunch defenders of it. Uh, name dropping a useless command right there. Uh, even the, the most staunch defenders of this ability knew that it, there was a chance it was going to get changed. Because uh, Games Workshop has always done things like this. They'll introduce things that are blatantly too strong and then very quickly change their mind about it, which is quite odd. Um, overall, though, it's not that big of a deal because um, most of our shooting units still shoot. We don't really care about moving our shooting units afterwards. We don't 
we don't tend to put our shooting units with a teleport right up to the enemy line, so it doesn't change how we use that. But it does affect pretty much every one of our melee units. Um, you know, all paladins are old cast. Yep, old cast paladins. Yeah, retributors, protectors, and for the three people out there using decimators, those are all a lot harder to get into melee because they're relying on nine-inch charges now or some kind of counterattack unit. And uh, I would say the units that are least affected by it are the Stormdrake Guard and the Annihilators. Uh, the former, mm-hmm. because they have a hero phase move, so they're not really too worried about getting extra mobility from an outside source. And they're flying, so if you go Tempest Lords, you can reroll a charge with them. Uh, Annihilators get the seven-inch signs of the Storm with the Lord Imperitan. So, you know, the cynic in me wants to believe that they did this in a purposeful way to push people to buy their new models, but that that's too much even for me. I think it's just uh, uh, how it ended up and not, not intentional. I think there's going to be a lot less variety in list building. Uh, we're going to have to lean heavily on our shooting units now. A lot of our uh, core melee units that we were having a lot of fun using for a few weeks there are not as mobile anymore, so you have to rely on shooting to draw the enemy towards you. And we're going to be talking about um, strategies and that kind of strategy in the next episode. And uh, the last note I wanted to add about translocation is that we, you know, we've been using translocation like this for years. Uh, back in first edition, it was called Lightning Chariot. It had this caveat. Um, there were brief periods of time where Stormcast were able to deep strike directly into melee through the Hammer Strike Force Battalion or with uh, the Knight Azuros, the very first edition of the Knight Azuros with a battalion, you could go right into melee. Uh, but more or less, we've been able to teleport outside of nine inches. We've played with it for years. We'll keep playing with it. We'll we'll overcome this obstacle. It's not the biggest deal. I will say, though, um, in terms of translocation, there are, I, I don't think the effect was too strong. Now, the ch- I do agree that it needed a change, but it was partly due to how reliable it was and how well it scaled with the reinforced units. I think a simple change of changing the prayer's base value to a 4-up or a 5-up and then restricting the combined wound characteristic of units that can be translocated to 15 would have made better sense than just like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Because that would mean it doesn't scale as well. You can't just translocate 10 Vindictors or 4 Fighters or any of the big Storm Drake Armored Dragons. But it provides you this utility where you can like translocate and move these small minimum size squads, and it would have been a unique and nice ability to have. And then moving it to a 4-up base or 5-up base means you can take a Lord Relictor to make it reliable, but it still fails half the time, so it doesn't feel that oppressive. Um, I think it definitely got a little bit less interesting, but it's a version of translocation we worked with before in Stormcast, so it's not a huge deal. I'll agree with your point that it, it could have been an issue of power rather than of the effect itself. And there's other mm-hmm. ways that they could have addressed it. Uh, instead of just increasing the chanting value, they could have increased the point cost of the Lord Relictor, because I don't think many people are that upset if a Knight Relictor tries to cast this on a 3-up. The issue was that it was a 2-plus rerollable, and, and that is mm-hmm. incredibly reliable. In a dice game, that's a, that's a really powerful thing to have a really reliable effect. Reliable, like- exactly. That's why, yeah. That's why I pr- preferred moving it to a four-up rerollable. I think th- that would have, you know, solved that part of the problem alongside the wound characteristic, like the ma- com- maximum combined wound characteristic that you can teleport. Yeah. So it can still protect the six raptors, or like the five indicators, or five retributors, or uh, three annihilators. But you, but you know, if you're trying to get these large force multiplier units translocating and moving into your enemy, that's not going to happen. And I think that's that's fine. It doesn't feel oppressive, but it's still a good tool in our book. Well, regardless, this is the way Games Workshop has decided the ability is going to move forward uh, or or how it's going to be used moving forward. Um, We just got to adapt, right? We can't, we're not the game designers. We just got to deal with it, unfortunately. It is fun to to hypothesize hypothesize 
what the book could be like, and and that's why we want to do that wishlisting video. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun to talk about stuff like this. So the next bad thing that came out of the FAQ uh, was a change to Master of Celestial Menagerie, which was a trait that previously could be used by any monster, and if that monster was on the battlefield, other Stormcast monsters, including the General, um, enemies had minus one to wound them in melee. And that was a pretty cool ability. Um, A lot of people are speculating that the reason it was changed to only behemoths is because uh, Storm Drake Guard are insanely powerful, even though nobody has the models and nobody's played with them. So that seems strange to me. Uh, It doesn't work on the Toralon, the Draconis, or the Storm Drakes, or any hero that you turned into a monster with Metamorphosis using the the Gur Realm ability or the Realm spell. For me, it's... The first thing that stood out to me was that it was really strange to see a rural reference behemoth. Like, they typically don't do that in Allegiance abilities. Um, yeah, I that, think it was a knee-jerk reaction. I think there are literally, I, I believe there are four behemoths in our book out of the 75 or so War Scrolls we have. Yeah, the two Star Drakes and, and the two... It was a totally knee-jerk reaction. I think it should have just been hero monsters only. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's overpowered if it affects the Torlon and the Draconis. Personally, that would be fine. I think if it was restricted to hero monsters, it's still a really good trait, but not something you would take every single time. It's not something that feels too oppressively powerful. I think the, the argument for it being too powerful is if you have an entire army, that's minus one to wound. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going forward, um, only the Star Drakes can take this trait. And the only way to get it on Karazai and Krondis is to take it on a Star Drake, which means you're paying a 500-point tax on a 600-point model, which that's not happening, which uh, this trait's pretty much dead aside from just Star Drakes taking it by themselves. Agreed, yeah. Uh, I think this is one I'm actually might write GW to change or something. They might actually change it. There are some traits they've, you know, like the Petrifex Elite one received, I think, three changes over the years. This is They might change this in the future. They definitely could. I, I would suggest everybody write to Games Workshop. If you have a strong opinion about this, write to them and, and voice your opinion. They do read those emails, so there's a there's a chance that if we get enough voices speaking about it, they could do something. Mm-hmm. Strong opinion about anything, by the way, not necessarily just menagerie. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want to see something change in the game, you should talk to the company. You know, they won't make any changes unless people talk about it. So if you want to see change, you got to become the change. So last bad thing to come out of this FAQ is a uh, complete errata to every cycle of the Storm ability. Instead of preventing a model from being removed, it now prevents a model from being slain. Uh, It occurs before the model is slain, which means you do not trigger Blaze of Glory or only the Faithful with this ability. It doesn't prevent instant kill effects, which is something it used to do in 2nd edition. Uh, The only thing it prevents is if you are slain through wound allocation. So if you get hit by Nagash's Hand of Dust... Cycle of the Storm does not save you. That is a straight downgrade from the second edition version of it. It does nothing if you take wounds, but not enough to kill you. So if you have 10 wounds and you take 9, Cycle of the Storm does nothing. It does nothing if you take any amount of overkill damage, because if you take 11 wounds and you have 10 wounds, you heal one, but then you just take another one and die again. So the only time this ability ever does anything at all is if you have the exact amount of damage needed to kill you which happens almost never in Age of Sigmar because the game is so lethal, everything everything just blows up. So maybe once per game, this ability might save you one wound on a model. Interestingly, it's a dead ability. Totally dead. The only interesting thing I can see out of it is that based on the wording of what ward rolls are, 
Uh, a ward is an ability that you roll a dice to negate a wound, and Cycle the Storm doesn't involve rolling a dice. It just negates a wound. So I believe there's other characters in the game that have abilities that negate wounds. Like, um, I could be wrong, but I think Manfred has one where he just negates the first wound he takes every turn, something like that. <laughs> yep. So Cycle the Storm does work in that way. So if you get really lucky with a with a four-up ward on a Celestine Prime or something, you could use Cycle the Storm after the four-up ward. It, it's weird. But potentially that's that's how it works. So we might we might see another round of erratas just to clarify that issue. I'm really disheartened by the cycle of the storm change. I thought it was a really cool, unique ability for an elite army to save a unit from from death once per turn from one attack. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was an interesting thing that your opponent could play around. It felt really on flavor for Stormcast to do something like that, especially given the description of the ability and and what sacrosanct models were doing in the Soul Wars, it felt perfectly thematic and not too powerful. Strong, but not too strong, given the cost of, of Arcanums. And uh, I'm disappointed to see it changed. More so than Translocation, honestly. I I can easily adapt to not playing Translocation, but Cycle of Storm is just dead. It, it really feels like an insult. I would have... I, I just want to say, like, there was a way to... Like, this is, again, this is, like, one of those... I, I, in my opinion, like knee-jerk FAQs they did because people were asking all these questions and the FAQ team just didn't have the proper answers. I think a better change to make it relevant would have been to make it a version of Indrasta's ability, but targeted. Like Indrasta's ability is a 12-inch aura of return one model of three wounds or less to every Stormcast Eternal unit. This could have just been pick one unit with an 18, wound characteristic of three or less, and return a model in the hero phase. Would that have been so bad? I don't think so. It would have still have been matching the fluff. Right. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of things they could have done. It's disappointing to see that this is the route they took because it just brings it back to how it was in second edition. And second edition, it, it was useless, straight up useless. People forgot this ability existed all the time. And this is actually a worse version of it because it doesn't protect you from instant kill effects. So disappointing, I think. That's that's the one word I'll I'll use for it. So what is still missing from this FAQ based on what we expected? Uh, there's still the issue of the core rules. Uh, there is still a loop that happens if you try to apply overkill damage to any model. The game doesn't know how to handle it, which, um, you know, I think most people are just going to assume that the damage gets negated and move on with their lives. But that is an issue that does need to get fixed eventually. It's not right to have just the core rules not understanding how, how to allocate wounds. Uh, there's no ruling on Comet Trail. Um, personally, I'm of the opinion that the ability continues to be active even if the unit moves away from the Torlon. And the reason for that is that there's no there, there's a lot of abilities in the game that say while you remain within range or while you're within X inches of this model, you get this ability. And the ability isn't a typical aura. Auras are typically active all the time. Comet Trail has a defined start point and a defined end point. It's when you finish a normal move and at the start of your next hero phase. So it to me, it feels like this is a buff that you put on every unit in an area around you. Um the fact that it's tied to a normal move I don't think matters. I think if a hero had an ability that said, at the start of your movement phase, you know, the units around you get plus one to hit until the start of your hero phase. I don't think anybody would have an issue with that, but for some reason, because it's a move, they get confused. I, I, I don't know. To me, it seems pretty clear-cut that you keep the buff after moving with Combat Trail. What do you guys think about it? Um, I think no, I think that's perfectly fair. And I think, like, um, I, I think Estrella has a similar thing. Her Thunder Pulse or whatever does not say while they're within six. It just says enemy units within six get a minus one to hit. And weirdly enough, when I asked people about, is that an aura? And people say, people say no. 
And yet, for some reason, uh, I have received arguments about how the Tarleron thing is an aura. And that seems like a bit of an inconsistency. But you're right. When I look at other abilities in other books, and even uh, in Stormcast, uh, like Envoy of the Heaven, any auras definitely mention while they are within. That while word is very important. Uh, if it just says within, then it's a one-time sort of pulse. And I, I think that's, I, and I genuinely think that's how it works. Yeah, I, I really hope it doesn't become too contentious of an issue. It does feel like um, people are kind of just looking for the worst possible interpretation to make the model as weak as possible. It feels like that's what people are doing because they'd rather play the weaker version and not have arguments than potentially play a stronger version and have to discuss something with their opponent. I think what people should do here is, you know, make the case why they think it it works the way it does and then just talk to your opponent before the game. This is such a minor thing. I really hope it doesn't blow up and become like a big deal. It shouldn't. There, there's, it's just not a big deal. What do you think, JJ? Yeah, it was, um, again, just as somebody who started playing this game back in February of this year, um, as far as I've seen it, and I've mentioned to people in the Discord and you, Paul, uh, Paul um, the wording and the way we play rules is based around restrictive statements. Uh, to echo what you guys have said, the statement while uh, and the lack of it is a lack of a rich restrictive statement. So assuming that that's not there, then we're good to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing we're still missing is we, we talked about this briefly in episode six about call for aid. It's weird that it references a unit size because that's not a strictly defined term anywhere in the game. What it should be referencing is uh, reinforcement status. So that's another one of these like things that's technically broken in the rules and it should be fixed, but I'm pretty sure everybody's just going to play it the way they think is right. But it is technically wrong and it, it should be fixed. Um, we need require a clarification on the Drake scale armor. I was even looking through the core rules on this issue not even an hour ago before this podcast. Um, the core rules are unclear about whether you check the damage of a weapon when you... Uh, before you make the attack rolls, when you make the save rolls, or when you allocate the wounds. It's not clear when you're supposed to figure out the characteristic. So an official clarification on the Drake Scale armor would be good. I think most people are going to play it um, that anything except one triggers the Drake Scale armor. I think that's the most reasonable interpretation. So that, mm -hmm. for example, the a, a, a weapon with D3 would be not one. Therefore, Drake Scale armor works. I don't think they've ever used this wording before. Uh, characteristic two or more. On a, that's just such a weird thing to do. I don't know why they worded it this way. Um, we also need a cl clarification on Tempest Lords uh, because they get to reroll one dice. Uh, there's a question whether or not they'd be allowed to reroll the whole charge roll afterwards or vice versa. I know there's a rule that says that you are not supposed to reroll any dice more than once, but there's also a statement that a 2d6 roll is a single roll of two dice. So rerolling one dice technically doesn't fit into that. This is a very pedantic thing. Again, it's one of those little things that they should just clarify and then completely avoid any kind of arguments. Because I think it will come up, especially once the Drakes are out. People are going to be playing Tempest Lords, and this question will come up. So it's better that they answer it now. Agreed. And then there's a bunch of things that, you know, we're not sure they're errors. We don't know if they're intentional. I think after just this round of FAQ, it would be good to have one more. And if, if, they, don't change, if they don't address these things in the next FAQ, we have to assume this is all intentional. Uh, but I think just because these things are so obvious... It, it seems like they should happen. Uh, so they're worth listing out here here again. So for example, Prosecutor Primes are the only unit in the book that don't get a bonus attack for their leader 
when they get a special weapon. And that worked in first edition and second edition. And I'm sure a lot of people have their models built right now, special weapons on their primes, and they don't want to rip those arms off. So it would be good if, if Games Workshop can make a statement about that. Um, it seems really obvious that Lord Aqualore and the Vanguard Raptors should have the Vanguard keyword. They are Vanguard units after all, and the Lord Aqualore issues commands to Vanguard units. Really makes sense that they should have that. Um, and then things are a little less obvious. Uh, Evocator Grand Staffs were two inches in second edition, and now they're one inch, seemingly for no reason, and it has completely killed the viability of these units. So it would be good to... Uh, I would like an errata, personally. I think that would make this unit usable again. And the Drake Sworn Templar has a 4-up save, and for the entire time that it's existed, it was a 3-up save. So it would be good to know if that's a typo or if that's an intentional change or something. And if it is intentional, revert it, please. The Drake Sworn Templar does not need a 4-up save. It's suffering as it, as it is. Its damage is pretty poor. It's overcosted. Please give it a 3-up save. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. the, um, the other thing I'd like to say is, like, initially, in my opinion, point number three about the Evocator Grand Staves, I was fully ready to believe it's uh, intentional. They nerfed it because it was the backbone of Stormcast armies to run 10 Evocators in this mortal wound, uh, that Star Bomb. However, the other side of the FAQ that we didn't mention, which was the Auric Warclans FAQ, has Gorgrunters who have been buffed to uh, Auric Brutes level, where all their, uh, I think, Burhacks went to minus two rend, whereas they were minus one. And that makes me hopeful this might have been a typo and it could be changed. Um, like, uh, Paul said, you know, we if you feel if you feel like you want clarification, you really should email them, and uh, we'll leave a link to where you can email them in the description later. Yep, yeah, we'll put that in the in the video description. So, uh, what are our impressions so far? Uh, the relictor and translocation are still incredibly strong. Like we said, it doesn't affect our shooting; it just affects our melee options. Uh, we will have a tougher time utilizing protectors, retributors offensively, but overall, translocation is still incredibly strong. And uh, frankly, I think it's so it's going to be so popular that they're going to overcorrect, and in the winter FAQ, they're going to nerf the Lord Relictor. I don't think that is necessary, but I can see it happening. Um, cycle is dead. It's a blank tech, text box now. It's it's worse than it used to be in Second Edition, and all the models that potentially had cool combos with it, like Lord Arcanums. And Indrasta, saving Retributors and then reviving them, that's all dead. Lord Arcanums are massively overpriced. You know, they, they get plus zero to cast, their signature spells are mostly bad, and they only have one spell each. And they're very expensive for, for that kind of uh, stat line. It's really bizarre that they nerfed a model that wasn't even released yet, just because, presumably, of player feedback, let's say. Uh, it, sucks that, <laughs> it sucks that the Draconis and the Toralon can't take Menagerie anymore. It sucks that you have to pay 500 points to give that ability to Krondis and Karazai. It seems like they were obviously balanced with that ability in mind, given their point cost. And it sucks that you have to pay 500 points for a Star Drake now. But you could also take a Frost Phoenix and play Storm Keeps. So that's, that's an option. We'll see what happens there. Agreed. I think uh, post this change, I think they should cut the points of Arcanums by... Slash the points of Arcanums by 20. And every other monster that sort of this had this command trade cost baked into it. Because now that I consider Kronos and Karazai as these unique characters without, you know, artifacts, without command traits, without any word saves, and now they have the, this defense ripped from them, I think they should legit go down by 30 or four, down by 30 points at least. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that. Uh, moving forward, you can see at the bottom there I have the winner points update. I'm of the opinion 
that because translocation was changed, I think retributors, protectors, and decimators should all go down 10 points. And I think that all Lord Arcanum should go down 15 points. Uh, that that would be uh, a good a good thing to do, I think, because these units are all they all feel really expensive for what they do now. There's some questions I have here. Uh, why did it take Games Workshop five weeks to write one page of Errata, and half the page was copy pasted Cycle of the Storm? It used to only take them two weeks. Why did they release an unfinished document that had a copy paste from the second edition FAQ, and then they updated it six hours later? Like there's there's just a lot of weird things happening with the FAQ team. And this has been a consistent problem since they released 3rd edition. If you guys recall, we've had an errata to the errata to the errata to the errata of the 3rd edition FAQ. It has it has been a hot mess. And uh, I guess we just keep submitting questions and and uh, hope for the best. Yeah. So that about covers it for the FAQ. Um, I think overall the impression is dis- not despondent. You know, it sucks to, to get nerfed, but... I don't think it's going to break our backs by any means. You know, the cycle and translocation changes, we will get over that, I think. Definitely. I, I think the book is still good. It has teeth. Um, it lost a bit of a, let's say, flair uh, is one way of putting it. But I think the book has, is it's definitely competitive still, guys. Like, uh, don't just trash it or sell your Stormcast army because of this FAQ. Yeah, don't sleep on the Stormcast. Yep. So let's talk about what we have coming up. Um, based on the FAQ, we are going to be compiling a new updated tier list. We're hoping to have that sometime next week. And we still want to do that Stormcast wishlisting video. We've been gathering all our thoughts together and putting that together. We will be doing another Lords of the Storm, which is what we're calling our series about building lists. And that includes a community contest. So the top voted lists in our Discord will be featured in the podcast. Uh, JJ, you want to talk about the hobby hangouts? Yeah, so um, so far we've been seeing some good attendance from the North American crowd. So again, to reiterate, we're doing that every Wednesday night. And then uh, Saturday for the crowds in Europe and Australia. So it's um, Saturday morning my time and Saturday uh, night my time for those two crowds consecutively. Uh, Just hang out, have a good time. Um, This past one yesterday was a little bit salty because we were all in griefing stages. (laughs) Yeah, we moved on to bargaining, and and I think I'm almost at acceptance now. So we'll we'll see how this goes. <laughs> uh, we are still moving forward with our plan of battle reports. We are setting up a space that we can record and not feel like we're showing people an old d- dusty basement. <laughs> and uh, I think it's I think it's going to look great. And to help with that, we have set up a Patreon account. We officially launched it uh, this week, and we already have some some patrons, which is great. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. Uh, We're going to be using this revenue to fund prizes for events that we're going to be running and help supplement the cost of equipment and software that we need to produce good quality battle reports. I really like I really like the stuff that Season of War puts out. I want to, you know, maybe we won't be at their level right away, but I want to make higher quality battle reports, not a shaky cam with an unpainted wall. You know, I I want it to look good. Um, So in exchange for becoming a patron, we offer all kinds of things. Uh, such as buyer's remorse. You can have as much of that as you want. Uh, But we're also looking for feedback on what to offer. Some ideas we have right now are are voting on upcoming videos, um, a live stream Q&A that we'll be hosting and eventually posting on YouTube, Uh, one-on-one list workshops if you want to get ready for a tournament. If you have a big GT coming up, you want to refine your list, you want specific attention, then you can get that from us. 
Um, we're going to be posting our tournament game breakdowns as like a blog. And if you're feeling quite generous, then we can even uh, bring you on as a guest star for the podcast. I think that would be a lot of fun to get the community involved directly on these. So let us know what you want in there. If you have any other ideas besides what we have listed, uh, we'd, be, we'd love to hear it. I think we're due for some thank yous, aren't we, guys? Yeah. 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 Shout out to our first patrons who got in there before we recorded this video somehow. Uh, thanks, Champasaur, Marcus, and Dave. You guys rock. Really appreciate the support. It's, it's just like a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling to think somebody out there like cares enough about our weird ramblings that we put on YouTube to give us uh, support in this way. It, it just feels good. It's great to, it's great to have it. Absolutely. So yeah, that's it for the FAQ. Um, little over 30 minutes, not so bad this time around. So come hang out with us in our Stormkeep Discord. We're active pretty much all day long, every day. It's a pretty good time. So thanks, everyone. Um, we'll see you in the next one. See you guys. Take care.